Good morning. Hey, I want to start off by doing something I normally wouldn't do, but I want you to promise me something before we get started. All right, so I want you to repeat after me, and we're going to make this promise together. All right? Say, I will not look at a clock. All right? All right? So, um, Denise and Kami are probably looking at a clock, but we're not going to look at a clock in here. So my name is Ryan. If you don't know who I am, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of, of mainly working with our students. Uh, so, so Corbin came up and spoke about our students, and he said this, uh, or our Wednesday nights, and he said, they're more impactful than a Sunday morning. So I began to like look through my notes and thought, how am I going to make this more impactful? Uh, in, these, in these next couple of minutes, and I began to think, oh my goodness, we're just going to go with what I got. And so, uh, and I hope it's impactful to you this morning. And so, through the, the passage that we're looking at this morning is kind of a passage we used to, uh, mainly in July that we went through with our students a little bit on Wednesday nights. But the reason I, I think that it's important for us now, and as a body, is we're kind of getting back into a new routine maybe. Uh, but I think this, is, this challenged me very much uh, this summer, and I, I think it'll challenge you as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to call this a reality check. For, for, for some of us, we need to check how we've been living and how we need to be checked uh, how we've been doing maybe in our relationship with Christ. Have we been living out what we've actually been saying we believe? And so this is something I've challenged our students with, but it's something I think um, this is, this, that can challenge you as well. And so here's what I ask. If you hear, oh my goodness, this is back to school, but maybe I'm a seasoned adult, or maybe I am um, uh, someone who the school year doesn't affect my life. Here's my, here's my thing I want to tell you is, is don't zone out. I think this, this passage and what we're talking about this morning is a reality check for everybody in the room, including myself. And so don't check out on me. Uh, so maybe you're here today and your life hasn't been affected by the summer. I promise this still applies to you. This isn't just for people hopping into a new routine because we're going back to school or, or for students that are hopping into going back to school or whatever it may be. And so as believers, we're all called to live life on mission for the gospel. And so I hope today as we look through the passage that we're going to look at, it, remember, it reminds us of our call to follow the gospel and to be bold in our witness for Christ. And so turn with me, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 31. So you, you may now wonder why we're not going to look at our clocks, because We've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we're not going to read every verse. I'll let you kind of fill in those gaps while uh, I'm preaching, or, or maybe you can fill in some of those gaps later today. But we've got a lot of ground to cover. And so, so before we dive into verse 1, let's recap from Acts 3, because what we see happening in Acts in verses 1 through 4, or in chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, really starts in the beginning of Acts 3. And so let's see what's happening there before we dive into our text today. So I'm going to give you a little recap. Peter and John were going out to teach, and they were walking by these gates, and they healed this lame guy in the beginning of Acts 3 that couldn't walk. So they healed the man in Jesus' name, and so they were bold going to proclaim and teach about Jesus. 
They were following after him. They were living out their walk with him. And so what we see is it leads us to this moment, what they did at the beginning of Acts 3, leads us to this moment of where they're at now in Acts 4 and why they become in front of the council of the high priest. So after they healed this man, they left and they continued to go on and teach. And then that's kind of where we pick up in Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And and so I'm going to read this segment and we'll kind of make our way through uh, a little piece at a time. And so here, Acts 4, verse 1 through 4 says this. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening, but many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So what we see here is they were teaching Jesus, they were preaching Jesus to many people. And the the Sadducees, the high priests, began to get annoyed that they were continuing to speak about Jesus and telling others about who Jesus was. And because of this, Peter and John were arrested. They were taken away, they were put into custody for proclaiming the name of Jesus. And so what we we see in verse 4 is that they had been teaching the gospel despite the persecution that they were facing. Because we, we can see that from at Pentecost, there was 3,000 people in the church to this moment now, there's 5,000 people. So what we see is they were boldly proclaiming the gospel. So Peter and John were, were sharing the gospel despite the persecution that they were going to face, but they didn't let these things stop them. They continued to go on and to advance the gospel. And Peter and John began began being questioned on why they had healed the lame man and kind of what authority they had to do that. And then the high, and then the high priest was questioning them as well. And so they continue to be bold. And what we see in their witness, they were bold while proclaiming the gospel. What we're about to see is they were even bold in the questioning that they were receiving from the high priest here at this council. And so Acts 4, 9 through 10 says this, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. And so what we see is they kind of point to this picture of the guy that you arrested, the guy that you crucified, the guy that you thought you had taken care of and gotten rid of. Well, he's the reason all of this is still happening. And so they give all credit to Jesus for the healing of the lame man. And when they were questioned, they began to point back to Jesus and what he had done and the one that they had crucified. They don't try to give themselves credit for anything that Jesus had done. Not only are they giving reasons for what they have done here, but they also share the gospel and point these people to Jesus. So could you imagine being questioned, maybe for something that you had done because of your, your relationship with Christ and living that out, and you begin to get questioned, and next thing we know, in a way the gospel is being shared to these people, and that's what we see in, a la- in Acts chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, which says this, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. 
And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They reminded them in a way that he had fulfilled these prophecies from the Old Testament, proving that he was the Messiah. And then they remind him, they remind this council that there is no other way by which we must be saved. It's through Christ and Christ alone. That just as, as the healing we saw or we see in Acts 3, Jesus was the only way that physical healing could occur. Jesus is the only way that our sins can be forgiven and our spiritual problem, our spiritual sickness can be healed. Jesus is the only way for us to be in a right relationship with God. And so our salvation is from nothing else. It's from Christ and Christ alone. This is clear in the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. And so what we see here, what is the gospel? Why must we must be saved by Jesus and Jesus alone? It's because God sent his son because we were sinners. We, we sinned, and so the easiest way for us to know that we've all sinned is we all have parents and we've all disobeyed our parents, right? Like, that gets us all into sin real quickly. Uh, and so because of our sin, we have be, be, been eternally separated from God. So, so Jesus came, God sent his son, Jesus, so that we could have a relationship with him. And Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, was buried, defeated death, and so that we could be in a, a relationship with him. This same gospel here is the same gospel that we are supposed to be sharing as believers. Just like Peter and John were going and preaching and teaching about Jesus, it's the same thing that we must be doing as believers. It's the same thing that we are called to do. It's one of the things that, as we know, maybe you've seen on our sign, maybe you've been here for one of our vision series, that we have three words that we like to categorize everything into, and it's grow, serve, and go. And that go isn't just so that we would go to the mission field. That go is so that when you go to your workplace tomorrow, or when you go home this afternoon, or you go to your neighbor's house, you go to your family's house, that we would be going and, and, and living a life of preaching the gospel. And, and so how do we know that we can be used? And so some of us maybe question why God would choose us to be used. And maybe we would question here in a second of why God chose Peter and John. And so what we see in Acts 4.13 is a verse that encourages me to know that I can be used by God because if we look at what we see in, in, in this when talking about Peter and John. So here's what verse 13 says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And so maybe you say, Ryan, I know I'm supposed to share the gospel. I've heard that over and over again, that it's my duty, it's, it's my job as a believer to share the gospel. But maybe you say, hey, I get nervous, my hands get sweaty, and it gets real awkward real quick, and, and so therefore I get nervous and I just decide that I'm not going to do that. Or maybe you, you've bought into some, some lie that you've had to be in a, a Christian for a certain amount of years or a certain amount of months or, you, or you've had to go to Bible college or you've had to go get a degree or whatever it may be. Or maybe you believe that, hey, I don't know all the answers. And so you've decided, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to share the gospel. But what we see in this picture is this, they, that Peter and John, 
were common, unordinary men. It doesn't point to anything about them being smart, to them being raised in the right way, or any of these things. It says that they were common, ordinary, uneducated men. Like, the truth here is this, is that probably most of our elementary school kids, if they're in the room, have had more of an education than Peter and John. And and so we would say, like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Well, Peter and John hadn't been to school. And so we can throw that out the window pretty quickly. It's because we don't have to be that smart. It's pretty simple. But we're called to, to share the gospel. So that's, in a way, that's what shocked these religious leaders who had memorized Scripture and, and all these different things, was that these common people, these uneducated people, who were fishermen, were boldly speaking about who Jesus was and what he's done for them. These religious leaders realized the boldness of Peter and John resulted from them being with Jesus. And they were shocked. So their boldness, what we see is their boldness came from spending time with Jesus. That's something every one of us in this room can do. All of us can spend time in the Scripture. All of us can spend time in worship. All of us can spend time in prayer and growing in our relationship with Christ. So are we spending time with Jesus? Are we bold because we've been spending time with Him? Even though we are ordinary people, most of us have some type of education. Are we bold because we've been spending time with him, even though we are ordinary people? What we see is they had received their training, they had received their boldness from Jesus because they had spent time with him. So are you spending time? Are we in the word? Are we spending time in prayer? If we want to be bold, if we want to impact our community, if you want to impact your workplace like you're called to do, if you want to impact your school, if you want to impact your friends, if you want to impact your family with the gospel, we must be spending time with Jesus. And so the excuse that I often hear is this, is, man, I'm too busy. You know, I've I got a busy life, and so I'm not, I, I wasn't able to spend time with Jesus today. I wasn't able to spend time in his word because, you know, life is busy. And so oftentimes here, here's what we say, is that we're too busy to spend time with Jesus. But we don't mind binge-watching YouTube. We don't mind watching the, the newest Dude Perfect video. Or if you're me, you don't mind Watch spending time on YouTube, watching people mow their grass. Why do I do that? I don't know, but it's awesome. Um, or, it, it, or maybe, like for me, I, I, I have a shirt on today, and it says Good Good, and it's actually a golf YouTube channel. Maybe I spend too much time watching those YouTube channels. Maybe it's a camping one for you, or whatever. Maybe it's home improvement things for you. Or maybe you spend too much time binging Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime and all those different things. Or maybe you say, man, I'm a guy in the room. I don't watch TV. But football season's gearing up. And so do you know all the trades that have happened with the Dallas Cowboys? Or, or have you kept up with the Texas Rangers or, or the Dallas Mavericks in the offseason? Or maybe it's a reality TV show or whatever it is. All these different things that we, we give our time to. But unfortunately, when we are called to have a relationship with Jesus, we say we're too busy. 
And so maybe it's politics for you, maybe it's the media, or maybe if you're like me and it's sports and you're the only sport you really care about is golf. And so maybe I've kept up with the PGA Tour and the live golf drama a little too much and haven't spent enough time with Jesus. So don't let these things keep you from spending time with Jesus. We honestly may be busy, but we're never too busy to spend time with Jesus. I think if we would look back throughout our day, we could always find 15, 20, probably 30 minutes of time we've wasted doing something that's probably not that important to where we could have spent time in the Word, where we could have spent time in prayer, we could have spent time in worship. Are we, are we making our relationship with Jesus a priority? What we see from Peter and John is spending time with Jesus is where they got their boldness. So if we say we want to impact our community, we want to impact our schools, or we want to impact our friends and family, and we want to be bold about doing these things, are we spending time in a relationship with him? And so here's what we can also see is God can use anyone, the uneducated, the smartest people, the rich, the poor, or whatever category you would like to put yourself in. We just have to be willing to follow after him. And so here's this morning, as I was getting ready, Alicia turned on our TV and began to play some music. And one of the songs that came on uh, is a song that is, is called this. It says, I don't have much. And it's recently put out by a cover by the worship initiative. And here's, the, here's what the song says. Here, I'm not going to sing it for you. Uh, you would gladly know that that's why Caleb sings and not myself. Um, but here's some of the words. And these aren't, this isn't like a chorus or anything. I just grab some of them. So it says, I don't have much, but I have a heart that beats for you. And then I have a life I'll give to you. So those are three of the lyrics, lines from this song. We may not have much, but are we going to follow after him? Are we going to let our heart beat for him? Are we going to have a life that we surrender fully for the gospel? Are we going to give up maybe some of the things that we need to give up to fully surrender after the gospel? You never know where God might be calling you to go or who God might be calling you to have a conversation with. But are you willing to say yes? Are you ready to say yes? Are you willing to live life on mission and share the gospel with others? God was using ordinary people in this text to point others to Jesus. God can use us too. We're just called to be available. We're called to be ordinary people. We're not special. Maybe we would, we would consider ourselves the average Joes and, and we would be able to be someone that can be used by God. We don't have to be special. We don't have to be smart. We don't have to have degrees. We, if we want to be used by Jesus, let's spend time with him. What we see in Acts 4, verses 17 through 22, it says this, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So this is kind of their punishment. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather, to God, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. 
because of the people, for all were praising God of what had happened. For the man who was on, who or whom this sign of healing was performed, was more than 40 years old. So here's kind of their punishment for healing and preaching Jesus. They were told, hey, go speak no more about Jesus. They couldn't find any way to punish them. Um, so they figured the only thing they could do, in a way, is give them a stern speaking and tell them, hey, no longer can you speak or teach about who Jesus was. And then what we see from Peter and John in verse 20 is that they were going to speak about Jesus because of the things that they had seen and the things that they had heard. They were not going to let this silence them. See, we're called to stand up for the gospel no matter what. They were convinced that they needed to share the gospel. They were convinced that they needed to speak about who Jesus was, and this wasn't going to change their mind. They weren't just going to let somebody come in and say, hey, you can no longer speak about Jesus, and they say, oh, man, I'm good. They decided that they were going to continue on. See, in a way, we haven't been told here in America uh, for some reason um, that we can't speak about Jesus. But unfortunately, what we would see is that many Christians never speak unless, about Jesus unless they're at church. Many people who claim to follow Christ never speak about Jesus unless they're at church. We have the freedom to speak about Jesus. Let us not be silenced by our nerves. Let us not be, be silenced by fear. Let's be a people that God uses to advance the gospel. We may lose some friends. We may get, make our family upset. We may simply get laughed at. We may simply get told no. So what's keeping us from sharing the gospel with others? Are we not convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? If we are convinced of that, if we are convinced that Jesus is the only way, then what's keeping us from sharing his message? What is stopping us? What is stopping us from being bold for the gospel? Many of us, maybe you've taught this song to a kid, or, or maybe you've been a kid that this song was taught to, but it came to mind this week as we sing little songs with Adeline all the time, is this little light of mine that we teach our kids at a young age but the question is, maybe we've taught our kids this song, but are we letting our light shine? Are we being bold for the gospel? It may be in our workplaces or in our schools or wherever it may be. Remember this, the gospel is more than doing good things or, or saying God bless you or hanging out with lost people. If we're going to be bold, we must use words to share the gospel. It isn't just a good action by us saying, oh, God bless you, or us holding the door open, or us going to do a service project. The gospel includes words. We have to be bold when using our words to point people towards Jesus. And then kind of wrapping up, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 4. And we're gonna, I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to hop a little bit here because there's a lot to read. And so we're going to read verses 23 and 24. Then we're going to jump to verse 29. We're going to jump to verse 31. And you can kind of fill in those gaps as I read. So verse 24 says this, or verse 23 says this, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, 
who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then jumping to verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. And then verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And see, what we see is when they were released, when they were told to go speak about Jesus no more, they went back to their friends and they prayed for boldness. They asked the Lord to let them be bold for the gospel. Instead of retreating and praying for safety, they asked God for greater boldness to continue to share the gospel, to continue in, to impact these people. So instead of retreating when we get nervous or when we get upset or when we are, we're, we're scared or we're, when we're afraid or when somebody gets upset with us or when maybe when someone laughs at us, let us not retreat and let us not get scared, but let's continue to seek the Lord for boldness. Being bold isn't always the easiest. And I would say that even for myself, one of the things that makes me a little nervous is knocking on doors of strangers when I know I'm about to invite them or tell them about Jesus. That makes me scared. That makes me a little nervous. And we did that a lot this summer on our mission trip. We would go to an apartment complex and we would have to go knock on these doors. And the many thoughts that go through my mind of, I don't know what, who's going to be behind this door. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're going to do. What if they try to grab one of these students I'm with and pull them into their house? Or, or like all the crazy thoughts that go through my mind as I'm trying to remember I'm in charge of this group of students of, hey, I've got to be bold. I've got to know these things. But also I know, like, here's the bad things that could happen. Not knowing who's, gonna an who's answering that door requires us to be bold. And that's something I told you just a second ago, I'm not great at when it comes to these situations because I get a little nervous. And so what I have to do is I have to spend time in prayer asking the Lord for boldness, that I would be able to, to speak to these people and to maybe share the gospel, to pray for them, or to invite them to what we're doing. It's not always easy. So whether it's back to school for you, back to work, back to a new routine, or if your life hasn't changed whatsoever throughout the summer. Let this be a reality check for you today. Would you evaluate your life and see, am I truly living a life on mission? Just like the Lord uses me as a pastor here for our students, the Lord has put you in a specific spot to be used by Him. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you are a boss of, of many people. Maybe you're a teammate. Maybe you're a friend. Maybe you're a coworker, maybe you're a family member, or whatever else it might be. God has placed you there for a reason. So what, maybe what work or what job or what activities are you involved in? Whatever those areas of your life that you go and you see other people, that is your mission field. Ordinary circumstances through these things provide extraordinary opportunities for God to work. Where the Lord has placed us, God has placed us there for a reason, and it's probably to advance the gospel. So are you looking for ways to be used in your ordinary life by God? And so what we see is they gathered with other believers to pray for boldness. 
So this morning we talked about our Wednesday night activities. We think it's important for you to be involved here. We, don't think, we think it's important for you to be here on a Sunday morning, but we want you to also be here on a Wednesday night or be involved in a life group or be involved in something else. There's great opportunities for us together and Wednesday night opportunities and life groups in Sunday school to, to encourage one another, to pray for boldness and to be encouraged. Wednesday nights, we have something for your whole family. And so life groups, these are great groups for us to share our struggles of life in and so that we can encourage and help equip one another. Maybe it's Sunday school, or maybe it's simply inviting someone else to lunch or to dinner or to breakfast so that you can have a one-on-one relationship with them and invest in one another. We need community. We need to be in community. That's what we see here at the end of Acts chapter 4, is that they're gathering in community to be encouraged together to continue to go out to preach the gospel. So as the band comes up, and as we begin to worship here in a few minutes, let's consider what we've heard this morning. May we check ourselves, or, or, or maybe may we look at our walk with Jesus. Are we spending time with Jesus? Are we living life on mission? Are we being bold? Are we sharing the gospel? And are we advancing the kingdom? So maybe during this time, as the band plays here in a few moments, Maybe would you pray with a friend, or maybe would you pray with a coworker? Y'all can go ahead and come up. Uh, but if y'all, maybe you could spend time with, with praying with someone you go to school with. Or maybe you could spend time with someone you work with, praying that you would be bold together to impact the place you go for the gospel. Maybe, maybe pray with a friend that you have mutual friends that you know that don't know who Jesus is. Or pray with your family. Or if you would like more information about being involved in a Wednesday night activity, a life group, or like to know more information about knowing who Jesus is and how you can make him the Lord of your life, find somebody with one of the white name badges that will be out around the Welcome Center. And that person will be more than glad to talk to you. You can find someone here that is on staff. And we would love to talk to you about these things. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful to be in this room this morning, to to sing songs that we would declare about you. But Father, would you encourage us this morning to be bold for the gospel? Would you maybe help us do a reality check on our lives? Maybe you would, through the Spirit, would convict us of, of places that we're failing to live on mission for you. Father, would you conform us to the image of your Son? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.